Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I am your host, Phil Walsh, and you are listening to episode number 38 of this ongoing podcast series dedicated to the movies. I talk about it all on this show, the good, the bad, everything in between, or as I enjoy saying, for the love of movies. And today, that is especially true. On this, the final episode of 2022, a look back to a year at the movies and what a year it has been for someone like myself, a lover of of cinema and and movies and, and just the entire cinematic experience. This has been a year really unlike any other that I can remember in, in quite some time. And, and this is the year I think you could, it is safe to say that movies came back and such a wide array of films this year across the genres, everything from horror to drama to comedy to action. It seems like if you had a, a favorite, a little niche, every every box was checked this year. And interestingly enough, this is the first year in quite some time where neither a Star Wars film or a, a Marvel film is at the top of the highest grossing films of the year. So little fact, a uh, little factoid for you there. Uh, you know, again, I you know, say that as, of course, as a lover of, of, of both uh, the Star Wars films and uh, many of the uh, many of the Marvel films. But it is refreshing to see something other than uh, w- what has uh, been leading at the top of the box office for a number of years. So I uh, I think it's safe to say that that uh, movies and, and sort of the movie going experience came back in a big way this year, especially after two years of disruption with the pandemic. And that really got me uh, got me thinking just as I look back at, at what a year it has been. So many films, so many great films and, and so many films that I think in many ways are already classics in their own right. And if they haven't crossed that threshold yet, I expect that in the years to come, they will enter that uh, that, uh, or I should, will earn that status, but just so many films, so many great films, almost too many to name. And I must confess, I'm, I'm often, I often hesitate to do these, these rankings, these, these lists. And that's what today is all about. It's a look back at, at the movies that I personally enjoyed and, and, and loved this year. Movies that, that captured both my imagination, but also uh, my 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 soul and and uh, my heart as well. Kind of a all of the above, which is important, I think, uh, for any movie, but especially one that you uh, like going back to and revisiting. But as I was saying, I'm, I'm I often hesitate to to do these lists because what I might consider a great film what something i you know uh, would call a favorite someone else uh you know may despise and, and run away from i mean that's the beauty of of art it is subjective and you see a number of these lists circulating online around this time of year especially with the new year fast approaching and and people sort of try to compile oh these are the top 10 films of the year and I have to say, sometimes you know, sometimes those lists uh, hit the mark. Other times, I, I think they couldn't be further, uh, further from the point. But that's that's really what it's all about. It is subjective. There is no objective list, as far as I'm concerned. And I, and I really I hate the concept of list um, because you know, you inevitably leave something out. But uh, looking back over the course of this year, there were there were ten films which which. Not only were entertaining, but really 
resonated with me and have stayed with me throughout the course of the year. And I have gone back to them and I have revisited them and I expect that I will continue to uh, to rewatch them again and again uh, o- over the uh, over the many years. And, and as I said, I think some of these have already entered the conversation as quote unquote classics. And I think others will 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 soon get there. But um, you know, needless to say, this is not meant to be a comprehensive. Okay, these are the ten you know, best films of the year. No, th- this is these are ten films that I enjoy. These are ten films that struck a chord with me. And uh, you know how I I always I, I I look at it because as I said, art is it, it is subjective. It's not meant to be objective. You know, people from all over the world go and look at the Mona Lisa and. It's without question and that it's one of the greatest paintings, if not the greatest painting uh, in human history. And yet people from all over the world go to it and, and look at it and, and they will stare at it and they will have varying reactions to it. You know, some people see it one way, some people see it another. That's the power of art is that it really can resonate. We can all, you know, agree, okay, a great film, quote unquote, you know, Godfather uh, comes to mind. Uh, just just off the top of my head but i think we can all discuss and and really appreciate different reactions you know because everyone's reaction to a film or or any kind of art is going to be unique to them and and different from sort of the collective uh experience and so that's really what this whole uh this whole list today <laughs> is about these are films that you know i think some of them uh, you know may make it on a a quote unquote top 10 film of the year list others may not and but that's okay and, and these are films that 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 are important and special to me and at the end of the day that's what art is all about it's about having that experience and how it how it impacts and and, and affects you for better or for worse luckily in this case it is uh, it is for better but uh, uh before i uh, i do begin want to uh just say uh as i do usually at the top of this sh- uh portion of the show you can follow along, uh, follow me along on on Twitter. My personal handle is PhilCastMovies. The handle for this show is Phil at the Movies. Though I am much more active on my my personal Twitter account, so you can reach me there. And as always, you can rate and review this podcast. Uh, feel free to follow it and uh, pass it along to uh, uh, like-minded individuals. Anyone who you think might enjoy hearing a. Uh, a movie buff uh, go on and on, perhaps too long <laughs> at some points uh, over his uh, over his love for cinema. But uh, uh, needless to say, that's my uh, my little plug for that um, uh, at the start of the show. Let me uh, let me just begin right now by setting setting the table because I I, I did debate and you know I, I've been working on this list right up until. Uh, right up until today, I'm actually recording this on on Thursday, and this will be dropping uh, tomorrow, uh, the day before New Year's Eve. So I've been you know, finalizing my uh, my my list for the last uh, couple days now, and I just got it done this afternoon. And at one point, I have to say, I I debated whether or not to do 22 films uh, you know, for the year, but then I thought, ah, it's a little little too on the nose, and Besides, I want to I want to be fair to your ears. I don't want to I don't want you to have to be listening to this uh, uh, forever in a day. And and certainly, you know, I you know probably should give my voice to re- a rest as well. So I'm going to stick with ten, though. I I, I did debate uh, you know moving it to twenty two, and I think that does show just how many great 
films there were this year and how many films really I connected with. And, and as I said at the top, this has been a hell of a year for, for, for movies. I mean, just everything across the board, horror, drama, comedy, action. I mean, you, you name it, There's there was something for everybody this year. And... You know, particularly in the in the genre of horror, which, uh, as you know, I'm a, I'm I'm a you know, little bit of a fan <laughs> a fan of. This year, that genre came back almost w- uh, with a vengeance. It was like the zombie rising up, uh, you know, or, or or Dracula getting up from the coffin. It came back from a long uh, a long sleep, and it is just. I mean, you know, to to, to put it one way, it's it's killing it uh, at the box office and with with audiences and critics, and that's great. And so. I think there was a little bit for everybody this year, and and again, you know, not to say that you know there weren't some uh, some <laughs> some some stinkers because you know you know it's you know not every movie can be a success, but I mean I think by and large the vast majority of films that came out this year were were uh, were top shelf quality, and just as as a as a fan as someone who appreciates film and cinema, just what a year, what a hell of a year. Uh, for for movies and it, it bodes well I think for the future and again now that we've you know God willing come through the worst of the of the pandemic and and kind of put all the you know disruptions hopefully behind us I think maybe we can kind of you know get back to some semblance of a quote-unquote normalcy I mean it will probably never be um, you know the way it, it was so to speak I mean streaming has taken over in such a in such a serious way but uh i think nevertheless you know whether whether you stream something or whether you go to the movies uh and see it on the big screen there, there there's a little something for everybody and, and people are engaged and also people want varying uh, uh subjects and topics and 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 plots and stories and, and not just sort of the same old thing and that's great and that's what Really, this year to me, as I look back on it, it, it was it wasn't a boring year at the movies. There was such a a wide spectrum of of stories and characters that you know both sort of encompass the human condition, but also enrich it and kind of you know make us reflect on our own lives and and situations. And so I, it was just I don't just, just a fantastic year across the board and. Needless to say, to to create this list, and and again, I hate I hate even doing it, but uh, for, you know, for these purposes, it, it works. And it was a challenge because there's just so many films, and and I again, I know I've left off, uh, you know, uh, you know, some of the ones that you know, might pop to mind, but uh, uh, you know, nevertheless, these are these are the ten films that really struck a chord uh, with me, and and I would I would say are are my personal favorite. Uh, of the year and and if you haven't had a chance to see any of these films uh highly uh they come highly recommended so without any any uh further delay let me begin with uh my thoughts on 2022 a year at the movies and for the the 10th spot I'm going with Elvis and this is a film which is driven I mean it's beautifully shot and, and the cinematography is great it, the, the the score everything the camera work everything it, it's it's perfect but what sells this film what enhances this film and what elevates it from being just a, another biopic is the performance by Austin Butler as Elvis Presley 
This is not a over-the-top, cheesy, Vegas, Elvis <laughs> impersonation here. This is the embodiment of Elvis Presley. And I made this this reference back when I reviewed the film, what feels like yesterday, but I think it was back in June or July. And the, the comparison which came to mind is Daniel Day-Lewis's Academy Award-winning performance as Abraham Lincoln in the film Lincoln. Now, let me be clear. I'm not making any distinctions between Elvis and Lincoln or or, or uh, Daniel Day Lewis and Austin Austin Butler, but I'm I, I'm I'm doing so for the purposes of watching what I consider to be a trans uh, a transformative performance, where you're not watching the actor, you are watching the person. In this case, Elvis on this on on the screen, and why. Uh, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis's uh, performance came to mind was that you know, outside of history books and, and, and what we know in the historical context, you know, none of us have ever, <laughs> ever met Abraham Lincoln, uh, those living today. Uh, and the same can be said, you know, for myself when it comes to Elvis Presley. Now, there are, are, are some people, uh, you know, alive today who may have seen him in, in concert or had the, uh, the chance to meet him or, re, you know, remember him w when he was alive. But my experience with Elvis Presley comes from both his music and, you know, what is in the historical record. So, again, to watch a performance where you sort of know this this figure from 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 you know, pop culture, and to to watch it be portrayed on the on the screen, where you really feel like you are getting into the psyche of of, of the person, and and that's that's a hard thing to do, especially with someone like Elvis, who you know arguably is one of the you know, greatest uh, performers of all time, to try to peel back the onion, so to speak, and to give us a peek into the psyche, that's very hard to do, especially in the context of a quote-unquote biopic. And what I even more appreciated about this film and, and through subsequent rewatches is that it is not a traditional biography in the sense that we don't start it, okay, here's Elvis's birthday and we go all the way to the end of his life. It's not an A to Z movie. It really is a, is a series of snapshot, uh, snapshots and anecdotes that are weaved together at different points in Elvis Presley's life. And yet, through those anecdotes and snapshots, we are getting a, a really vivid portrait of this man's life story. And that is enhanced by what can only be described, in my humble opinion, as an award-winning Performance. I mean, I know there was a number of actors already uh, in the contention for for best actor this year, and, and there are so many amazing performances. But for me, Austin Butler, he he just takes the prize home. As far as I'm concerned, it is it is such an immersive role, and even just to, to hear him talk about it behind the scenes or in interviews, you can see that he really loved playing this role, and he, and he got into you know the, the quote unquote psychology. Uh, of Elvis, and that's why I go back to it. It's an, it's an embodiment uh, of the person. He's not trying to impersonate 
Elvis. He's trying to bring this this figure to life and, and bring him to life in a way that makes him feel grounded and relatable and, and in many ways introduce him to, to audiences who may not be even familiar with Elvis or, or just sort of in the historical context. Uh, it just... Oh, it's it, it's it's a captivating performance. It's 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 honestly one of the year's best, and I would be remiss not to put it on on the list because it it just it, it just it's the power of his performance, Austin Butler, that that just makes that elevates this film from being just a regular oh it's a you know, biopic about about um, Elvis in, into something truly special and and you know it, it, i you know i'm not you know comparing and 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 you know contrasting other you know biopics you know because i mean again it's, to play a historical figure it's not easy but there's there's just i think austin has just set the the stage the, the bar so high uh for future films especially in any uh, case where Elvis Presley is a subject. I mean, I think this is what will be looked to and studied because it is just a, it's just a mesmerizing performance, and, and you know, from such a young actor to have such a, a captivating range. I mean, this is a this is a career making performance, and I expect there will be nothing but great things in the future uh, for, for him uh, uh, down the road. But I mean, even even just the you know the smaller roles. I mean. You know, Tom Hanks, I, I, you know, I wasn't necessarily sold on his take uh, or his performance of, of Colonel Tom Parker uh, the first time I saw it. But through subsequent rewatches, he's great in it. Like, I mean, everybody just just brings their game to this film. And, and, and it's all done sort of, in, you know, in service of, of supporting uh, Austin's uh, portrayal. I mean, I, uh, it's, it's a it's a fantastic film. And. I, I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it, and you know it's one of those films where where you can you know you can really watch it, you know whether you're a fan of of, of Elvis Presley or not, but just to appreciate you know a a well made movie because it is a well made film. Uh, Baz Luhrmann does a does a, an A plus job at, at at crafting both the the, the cinematic story and, and and the and the detail. Uh, of this film, but but the the performance by Austin Butler, I mean, it's it, it's just on a whole other level. So I I, I can't I can't sing enough praises for that. Um, but it, it's it, it's a special film, and I think will be held up as as what to do with a a, a biopic, uh, particularly of a of a famous figure like Elvis Presley. So there we go. There's a uh, there's number number ten to kind of start off this uh, conversation. Uh, definitely go check out Elvis. For number nine, uh, going to kind of go to the opposite side of the uh, of the spectrum here, uh, and that is the black phone. And this is a case, uh, you know, where as I've said, there's been so many great horror films this year. I mean, horror is alive and 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 killing it because. You know, whether you've got your legacy uh, uh, franchises like Halloween or if you've got this new original horror like Smile, like Barbarian, or in this particular case, The Black Phone, there was a little bit of something for everybody this year. And I think in particularly in the case of The Black Phone, it illustrates that audiences, particularly horror fans, are looking for new and original material. I mean, that doesn't mean to say there isn't a place for the Freddies and the Jasons and, of course, the King Michael Myers, but 
there there is a a, a, a yearning for for new uh, uh, monsters, a new uh, boogeyman, so to speak. And what a great film uh, uh, with the black phone. We have, I think, another new. I don't want to call it necessarily a slasher, but 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 a new uh, movie villain in, in the horror tradition, and that is Ethan Hawke's unnerving and and spine tingling and, and and somewhat uh you know psychologically uh scarred uh portrayal of of the grabber in this in this film and you know it's it's a movie that is based uh, on a short story by author Joe Hill and the premise is all the same maniac running around kidnapping kids killing them boy gets kidnapped communicates with the the, uh, the spirits of, of the other children and they help him escape. Same premise. The character of the grabber is portrayed as a portly man and I think he even wears a, a clown mask in in that in that story. And the change for the film I think was a right one. I mean number one you, you, you sort of lose the, the John Wayne Gacy uh you know, uh, I want to call it an homage, but the you know, sort of that sort of look um, and, and create something that's much more cinematic. And yeah, you know, you've got a, kind of a tall, slender person with this demonic, creepy mask, and it's it's unnerving and frightening. And of course, you know, then you put Ethan Hawke in it, and you're going to get just a performance that's that's really out of this world. I mean, it, this is one of those films where. The story is so good that it, you know, in many ways, you know, because the, the the villain is behind a mask, you know, in theory, you could put anybody behind you know said mask, and and the film would still work. But I think in the case of Ethan Hawke, you get an actor who has such skill and range that you're getting a a performance versus just some random person in a mask, and it's again just sort of. In, it takes a great story and and just elevates it into something special. I mean, this this is a a horror film that is going to be with us for a long time. And I mean, even just this this past Halloween, I mean, you could see people wearing the grabber mask and the black balloons, and it just it shows that this film is already kind of you know permeated uh, into the culture. And I, I expect it will continue to grow uh, for years to come, but. Uh, th- this was again one of those films where I was excited about it from uh, the time it was announced, and and it, and it, it managed to live up to uh, all my expectations, and and just delivered a, a a a rousing, scary movie that, you know, even even to this day when I when I see images of of the grabber mask, there is that uh, sort of you know uh, you know moment where you have to almost you know, wince because it, it it is frightening. I mean, it's right up there with you know the, the Michael Myers mask. It's just it's a it's it's a creepy, unexplainable evil face, and and that's a perfect a perfect uh, a perfect uh, disguise for uh, a new uh, a new uh, uh, movie monster. So, highly recommend this film. It's it's one that I uh, I've enjoyed revisiting, and again I think it's going to continue to be part of the uh, uh, the pop culture uh, uh, discussion, so to speak, especially around Halloween and and there is even talk of of, of of a possible sequel, so we probably haven't seen the end of uh, of uh, the grabber and and this uh, universe, which 
as a fan of the genre, uh, I'm all for it. So uh, definitely, definitely recommend the Black Phone. And so, kind of in, in continuing that in that uh, in, uh, that point, another a film that I I cannot recommend enough, and and I I hope as the year goes on, more people will discover this film because it, it had a very very limited release, and I think it was mainly on streaming. That was how I uh, discovered this uh, next film that I'm going to uh, going to talk to you about, but. Uh, uh, the the film, of course, is Watcher, and this is this is a God, this is a film where it's a familiar plot line. You know, we we've we've seen dozens and dozens of movies where you have the somebody's watching me trope, uh, you know, a classic stalker situation, and so this movie is not reinventing the wheel. It's a very familiar plot line. What makes this movie unique and what I think elevates it from being just another somebody's watching me film is first A, the cinematography is beautiful. It is a beautiful film to watch. The The cinematic landscape just sort of enhances the, the feeling of dread that that permeates all across the screen uh, and is in the atmosphere. You can't help but feel unnerved when you're watching this film. Uh, and, but the other element, and frankly the more important and crucial element, is the performance uh, by Micah Monroe. It, it, this is this is it, it, this is a, a mesmerizing, captivating performance that takes, as I said familiar source material familiar tropes and just kicks it up to a whole a whole other level her performance even when she isn't delivering a line just her expressions the look in her eyes the feeling of dread that that comes across her face you know horror films can go one of two ways there there can be the subtlety or there can be the over uh, expression. Now, sometimes the overexpression will work, especially if it's you know kind of set up at the beginning. Other times, it can, you know, especially if it's not handled uh, well or handled properly, it can kind of go overboard. This is a situation where you know the details are in the subtleties, and her, her performance is is transfixing because we're. We're with this character uh, of Julia throughout the entire film. We are with her, and we're you know kind of experiencing the events through her. It's her point of view from the start of the film to the end, and it's you know she you know fortunately you know, she is able to take us along with it. And again, it's because I think it's familiar you know, a familiar plot line. You know, you kind of expect the different beats and the different moments. And yet, because her performance has such a rawness and an authenticity to it that, you know, we're, we're just as shocked. We're just as unnerved as she is throughout the whole thing. And it's, oh, it's, it's honestly one of the year's best performances as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and you know, if, you know, I could, you know, have it my way, she would be up for an Academy Award. Like, it, like it really is that good of a performance where it is again you're you're watching this this poor woman who is 
who knows something is wrong, who knows she is being followed, who knows she's being watched, and yet nobody believes her. And and it's it's such a it's such an arresting performance and portrayal where, you know, again, as we the audience, we are sucked right in to her story and we're right there by her side from the beginning uh, all the way to the end. And and again, we obviously know that she's right, but it's it's such a it's so it's just so powerful because we're we're right there. We're kind of experiencing the same emotions as the character where we're just like, no, no, damn it. She is. She is being stalked. She is being watched. And oh, it's again to take something where we've all seen these types of movies, but just to give it that that extra oomph. It, what's it, it's that that X factor, if you will. It's that that's that special uh, you know, skill she has as an as, as an actress to really just take the material and 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 make it grounded, make it believable, and again, really you kind of show the soul of of this character. I mean, I I I have not stopped thinking about this film uh, since I since I first saw it. It, it, it is it, it is spellbinding, and, and her performance really really makes the film uh, makes it work, and again elevates it from just you know you know kind of your run-of-the-mill somebody's watching me movie into really this story of of survival and and just blunt determination and, and so of course when the film reaches its its climax i mean it's it, it is very cathartic and we as the audience you know we find ourselves cheering alongside her because you know ultimately i mean spoiler alert but you know she is of course proven right and is able to to come out of the situation, um, you know, sort of, you know, changed and ultimately, you know, is able to survive. I mean, it's just oh, it's it, it, it's just it's just a special film, and I, I highly recommend it, especially uh, for fans of the genre. But even just to watch a great performance, I I can't recommend this film enough. And I I, I do hope as the year goes on, uh, people will discover it through through streaming because it really. It deserves to be seen, and this is a performance that. Oh, it, it, again, it just, it just takes familiar material and just raises the bar. And and I think you know, kind of going back to what I said at the start about about a film, you know, kind of entering the uh, the classic conversation. I think this film will be be revisited and and discussed and and hopefully appreciated even more uh, down uh, down the line. I mean, I certainly uh, feel very. Uh, feel very fortunate to have found this film uh, at the very beginning and have just been just been pleased every time I see someone else discover it and, and have the same reaction and, and and find it to be such a such a captivating uh, performance by Micah Monroe so all right there we go we got a uh, got we got three uh, three out of the way just to uh, do a quick uh, quick recap we've got Elvis for number 10 number nine the black phone. Number eight with Watcher. That brings us to number seven, and this is a film which I I, I recently added to to my list, and, and by recently I mean within within just a day, and that is of course Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. This is a movie where if you are a fan of Steven Spielberg. This is pure Spielberg magic, and even if you're you know maybe not a fan uh, necessarily of, of his work, but you appreciate 
a real and authentic story that that sort of you know bears all this is this is a movie to watch i mean in addition to being a great coming of age story and and a, and a, a story about following your heart following your dreams and and kind of you know realizing that you have to live your life you don't owe anybody your life it, it, it is such a it is such a powerful film and, I, and it's it's honestly one of steven spielberg's finest films as far as i'm concerned and when i rewatched it the other night i i just everything kind of clicked at that point and i said yeah this is going right into my uh, favorite films of the year and and you know for a number of reasons number one i appreciate when someone is going to kind of pull back uh, the curtain so to speak and 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 share um, uh, a per, you know a personal story and even though this is a semi-fictionalized uh, telling the essential premise of this film is based on Steven Spielberg's life growing up as a child his family his relationship with his parents and why he ultimately, went went into the career that that uh, that that he chose and became a filmmaker and again even though it is you know fictionalized names have been changed uh and, and you know some you know change uh you know uh you know, uh, redressing of the situation it is the story of of how young Steven Spielberg became Steven Spielberg and what what I found so powerful about it is that he didn't he didn't hold back he he really showed what it was like to to be growing up uh in 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 a family where his parents had a very frayed marriage and and really were were polar opposites his his mother was was the free loving uh kind of a free spirit she was the artist the father was uh an engineer very very practical and and uh logically driven and how those two kind of world views and, and philosophies sort of you know kind of butted heads in the household and kind of really built in and shaped Steven Spielberg's uh, his life because in even though he was much more I think a, a kind of akin uh, or more much more like his mother and, and kind of being you know the artist and and, and the more uh, free spirit uh, he definitely has some of his father in him, and that is, you know, even though his father was very logic, uh, logic driven, his father was also very passionate and very determined to accomplish said goal. And even though it was in, you know, say in, in, in engineering or, or, or computer engineering, Steven Spielberg applied those same skills and traits into into filmmaking and into storytelling. And so it's just sort of interesting how we take parts of our parents for better or for worse parts of them and, and it kind of helps shape our own life and it, it, this just you know it, it's a it, as I said it's a coming of age story and, and there's some sentimental moments but it's never overly sentimental it, there's a it's a fine balance uh, between being over the top and, and just striking it right and I mean Spielberg is a master and he knows you know when to pull on the heartstrings and when to to uh, to loosen up a bit, but I don't know th this was a film where 
again, I, I just found myself just just immersed in in his story, which again, it's his story. But the the sort of the the takeaway is, is applicable to our own lives where we have to follow our own passions. We have to follow our own dreams. We have to do what makes us happy, what makes us what makes us whole, what makes us right. And we can't do it. You know, we can't do things because we expect others expect us to or we want to make somebody happy or we want to, you know, you know, uh, keep up someone's opinion or, or not let uh, someone down or disappoint them. And, and you, you watch in this film, you see the character of, of Sammy, who's who's meant to be Steven Spielberg, and he's truly conflicted throughout his 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 life and and trying to figure out, you know, do I please my mother? Do I please my father? And and sort of balancing out, you know, you know who he is and figuring out who he is. And then, of course, you set all the family drama of of divorce and and, and separations. I mean, it, it just all builds into you know into an individual's character, and you can kind of see through the snapshots of of his life what made Steven Spielberg who he is and how his his childhood and family life really impacted him both personally but certainly professionally if you look at many of his great films there are themes of 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 family and and following your dreams and and sort of challenges between parents and 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 children and so it's just sort of interesting to kind of peel back the onion and and really get to the heart of of what makes uh what makes this uh what makes this man tick and why he's arguably one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And I, and I would just say there's a there's a, a phenomenal scene right at the end of the film where uh, the director, David Lynch, plays, uh, does a cameo, and he's playing the, the, the movie director, John Ford. And it's this wonderful exchange where, where, again, the film is sort of reaching its climax, where Steven Spielberg has just landed a job, or, or I should say the character of Sammy has... has uh, landed a job at CBS in Los Angeles, and he has an opportunity to go and meet John John Ford. And uh, I mean, again, talk about just a, a, a mesmerizing performance. Uh, uh, David Lynch, you know, you know, is in character really as as John Ford with the eye patch and the cigar and the gruff nature, and it's this wonderful. Uh, sort of a I don't I don't want to call it a baton passing scene, but it really it shows kind of the you know that this kid in the story Sammy has it all figured out that 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 he knows what he wants to do that he wants to go into the movie business that he wants to be a director he wants to be a storyteller and he's impressing the character of of uh, of John Ford or you know the the you know John Ford in the, in the in the movie and it's. Again, they just had this wonderful exchange uh, about about art and 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 you know, passion and and what makes art great, and it, that's really the 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 takeaway uh, from from this film is that you 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 have to do what you're passionate about. You have to follow your heart, you know, even though it may necessarily take you in into directions and places that you never expected or places that others may not want you to go but you know if you're following your heart you're doing ultimately what's right you know everything everything does does sort itself out in the end and uh, I, I mean I just found myself just 
with just a big smile and and just a, a, a warm feeling uh, spreading throughout my heart when this movie was done because it's it, it's it's pure movie magic and it, and uh, to have a film about sort of the art of filmmaking and and kind of again peeling back the onion to to show um, you know what was going on in this in this man's life and kind of what ultimately made him who he is it was just uh just incredible and and it's a film that uh you know much like watcher i i do hope more people uh, get to experience because it it is it is not a sappy you know uh, prestige film it really is a story about following your heart following your dreams and you know just you know take aside sort of the the real life connections with spielberg it's just a beautiful coming of age story about uh, a boy f- trying to figure out who he is and and where he wants to go in the world uh it, it was just just magic and uh it's what steven spielberg uh does best but it, it really is a, a you know i think one of his most personal films to date and it, it just oh it, ju- it just left me captivated and uh again i haven't been able to stop really thinking about it since i rewatched it again the other day but uh you know kind of on that on that subject of of peeling back uh, the onion, <laughs> so to speak. The next film on my list uh, that I that I just adored is Glass Onion, and this is the follow-up to Ryan Johnson's uh, uh, Knives Out, which uh, stars Daniel Craig as the uh, uh, the uh, highly original detective Benoit Blanc. And just just as kind of a, a, a tease, I am going to do. Uh, on the next show, a a review of both Knives Out and and Glass Onion because I do think that they uh, are worthy of a uh, of, of further uh, of further discussion and analysis. So I will I will save most of my uh, my thoughts for that. But this is a film where you already had a great first film, and and again for those who haven't seen Knives Out. Go go find a go find a copy. Go find it on streaming somewhere. It is a it is a masterclass in a whodunit murder mystery. Has all the great trappings of an Agatha Christie story, but yet you know, done in our present day with with characters that are grounded in our reality and and feel real and vulnerable and 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 realistic to. You know, both the cultural and political situations of of the time. Kni- uh, Knives Out kind of you know, reinvented uh, that particular genre uh, for for the modern age, and uh, Glass Onion just just comes in there and and truly expands uh, the canvas. And and you know when you peel back the onion, the the layer on this uh, on this uh, on this Glass Onion, you're going to find a lot more at the center. This is a perfect sequel. It, it again, it, it it takes the uh, the whodunit murder mystery plot and and then just turns it on its head once more, as as only Ryan Johnson can do. He he's one of my favorite directors. Uh, I I think he's he has one of the the, the sharpest uh, minds when it comes to both political and cultural references. The, the his writing is is just sharp and 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 he never he never gives a line that that is over the top or 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 unnecessary everything is pitch perfect it's probably one of the best screenplays 
uh, of the year by far. Just the the translation from page to screen is is beautiful, and of course, Daniel Craig as the detective Benoit Blanc. I mean, he can play this character for forever, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, step aside, James Bond. I think he has really uh, taken on a, a new uh, character that that you know may very well be his be his legacy because he is just having the time of his life with this film. And again, it was even more so in this one than the other one, where you've got such a wide. Uh, cast of characters from of just varying personalities and traits and you know to say nothing of the actors uh playing them but but the but the characters within the story they just they, they all feel real they all feel like you know they're people that we've you know, either met in passing in our life or maybe known or have seen on uh, on tv i mean it's just a oh it's just a sharp not a, it's a sharp murder mystery, but it's more than that. It really is a, a kind of a roasting of our of our current political uh, and 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 social culture. And again, only as Ryan Johnson uh, can do. You know, again, taking those those trappings that we might associate from you know, the great Agatha Christie novels, and then just. You know, stretching it out and, and putting it on uh, display for 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 modern day audiences. I mean, I, I didn't think Glass Onion could could uh, could top Knives Out, but uh, I, I think for me it, this might even top it. Uh, I'll have to watch it again, but I don't know. It, this was this was a special sequel, and especially when you rewatch it. You, you pick up on all the little subtleties, all the little clues, and it's again, it just just shows what a master Ryan Johnson is at at at, at writing and, and 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 finessing the details. That everything is right there in plain sight. But again, the first time you watch it, you're taken in by the story. You're going on this journey that you may you know that you miss the little uh, winks and nods and the little clues that are left along the way but when of course when you rewatch it it's all right there on display and it's oh it's just it's just spectacular and i think it's it, it definitely packs uh, uh an even better punch than the original film and the only thing i would say i i, I wish it hadn't gone uh, been exclusively to netflix I and mean, i know that was the uh, the limited release but i this is a film that really should be seen on the big screen and and i i just hope that more people will We'll find it on Netflix and enjoy it because, you know, it, it's a it's a funny, sharp film that again, it, ch- sort of a checks the box of being both entertaining and and provocative at the same time. And and I mean, I'll get into it more on on on, on a future show. But the uh, some of the reactions on uh, on Twitter of all places have just been uh, just been amusing, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, people uh, people who have uh, watched this film, but uh, I, I will I will get into that uh, uh, on, on a later show. But uh, needless to say, Glass Onion. This is this is a film where kind of you know, really kept my expectations in check because I, I I just adore the first film so much and and you know felt like oh you know can they really uh, top it in any way, especially you know, given the nature of how sequels can be a letdown. But uh, I, you know, I should learn to never underestimate Ryan Johnson uh, and Daniel Craig because, like I said, I, I they can keep making these as many films uh, as they want because they're they're funny, they're 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 sharp, 
and and there's always a point that that resonates to the current social and 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 political uh, uh, climate of the moment. And this one again just sort of checks all those boxes, and it oh it it just left me with a with just a great feeling uh, at the end of the film. So highly highly recommend it. But I I like I promise I will get into it more. Uh, on a future show, but uh, be sure to check out Glass Onion because it is a it is a worthy follow up to uh, to Knives Out, and uh, there's already uh, talks of a third film. So, looking forward to that. Ryan Johnson, let's uh, let's let's crank that out as soon as possible uh, because I can't wait. All right, so do quick little recap uh, before we go into the go into the top five. Uh, we have Elvis, we have the Black Phone, we have Watcher. We have the Fablemans, and we have Glass Onion. All right, here we go. We're going to go into now the top five films uh, for me this year, and coming in at number five. Now, for some, this this might be a shock. This might be a shock because, uh, and I'll just I'll, I'll I'll start and say, it. number five is Pearl. Now. I didn't bother to do a uh, an honorable mention list because again we we would be here all day and I I want to be fair to your ears, but I I I loved X when it when it came out I I still love X I think it is a great throwback to the seventies slasher films There's a lot of Texas Chainsaw vibes to it it's a it's a smart sharp horror film that 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 knows what it's doing and gives us the great introduction of the character Pearl played by uh, the immensely talented uh, Maya Goth. Well, Pearl, which is the prequel to X and that came out this past fall. I found Pearl to be even better than X. And I would say of the two films, especially if you haven't seen either one, I would say go see Pearl uh, before X because you know, X. You know, for all of its, uh, all of its, its, uh, its, uh, its wit and 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 charm, it, it it is a splatter film. And if you're not a fan of gore and blood, um, then it may not you know be your cup of tea. Pearl, of course, you know has that, but it it's much more. I don't want to say it's you know, muted or nuanced, but what is really the focus here is not the spectacle, but the story and again I thought Maya Goth did a fantastic job playing the dual characters of Maxine and Pearl in X uh, but Pearl it, it, it's just a whole other level and kind of again going back to what I said earlier about if if I had a, you know had it my way she would be in the running for an Academy Award because this is one of again one of the years best performances and you know the first time she did it with with prosthetics and 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 makeuping uh, makeup and costuming and it was great it was it was you know was was unnerving this is this is just so mesmerizing on a whole other level because again this you know we're not dealing with prosthetics you're dealing with a period piece costume but you are getting a unhinged and really diabolical descent into madness, or really, I can't even say it's a descent into madness, because I think the characters already 
already there. We're we're watching in this in Pearl, sort of the un, the unveiling of uh, of a psychopath, and it's it's not hammy. It's not played for laughs. It's not done uh, kind of in an overt way. It really is in the subtleties, and that's I think what makes the makes it that much more unnerving. There's a there's a scene which again if 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 if, if the the world you know spun in, spun in the right direction for horror this would be the scene she would be nominated for and it's in the barn where where she's just she's just having this this meltdown with this guy who she thought liked her and then there's another scene um, where she has this this breakdown in the kitchen with with her cousin and and it's just oh god it, it is it's bone chilling especially when there's no camera work it's just locked on her performance and you're seeing the facial expressions the tears the twitching the rage and the range of of her both vocabulary and sort of you know her expressiveness and and her 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 her, vo- her vocal strength it, it, it's just oh my god it it, it left me just just in awe of the performance itself and you know sort of in a, in a in a very interesting and weird way created a villain who again we've already been introduced to in X and we know what it, uh, what she is capable of but yet instead of just you know kind of going 110% into the oh I'm a villain category we really get that that level of emotion and and pathos that really in a way humanizes the character so while you know we never condone or accept what the character's doing, we can get an idea of what's going on inside, and and we can, you know, in some weird way, understand what is going on in this person's head. And it's oh, it, it's just a it's just a spellbinding, mesmerizing, out of this world, spine tingling psychologically raging performance. I mean, I, I don't have enough adjectives right now to even describe it. I mean, even just thinking about it, Maya Goth just transforms into this character. Again, I go back to something that has been a theme really throughout the show, which is just actors getting lost in their performances. Th- this is another one where she just gives 110% and, and again, we're watching the character we're not watching the actor play uh the character and again as someone who's a fan of the genre and someone who appreciates horror you know there's there's nothing better when when you kind of take those those trappings and just sort of elevate them and if if uh if x was was uh you know kind of playing tribute to the 70s slasher films uh, Pearl, I would say, is really a great uh, tribute to sort of the Technicolor spectacles of the for- of the late '40s and, and throughout the '50s, but yet done against the the backdrop of a horror film. So you kind of really get this this weird uh, kind of you know melding together of 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 both you know genres and subgenres into you know what is really a character study film and and. You know, much in the same way, you know, I've, I've talked about, I've talked about uh, Joker and, and Joaquin Phoenix's performance uh, on this show before. You know, I, 
my God, she's right there in the same conversation. Just in watching this psychological uh, examination of of a character and and really the the ugly side of of humanity. It it really feels raw and real and. You know, knowing that there is going to now be a third film which will bring back her character of Maxine, I can't wait to see what she's going to do next. I, I've just thoroughly enjoyed what, what Ty West has done with these two films, and I'm eagerly awaiting the third film. But, uh, you know, for, for me, I mean, you know, X, I, I would definitely put it as an honorable mention because it is a great film and it's a great tribute to all the slasher films of, the, of really that mid to late 70s. But, Pearl, I think it just it just raises the bar even higher than X did, and and what we end up getting is this this really riveting and unnerving character study uh, of this woman who I who I think has already gone over the edge, and and we're we're really witnessing the uh, the full effects of that on screen. Uh, damn it, damn powerful, powerful stuff, and highly highly recommend it. All right, so. <laughs> Take a breather for a minute. Let me take a little bit of my tea and uh, switch gears a little bit here. So, as you can see, this horror definitely struck a chord with me this year, and and that you know, hats off because the genre is alive and and scaring at the box office. So uh, that 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 I think uh, bodes well for the future. But um, changing gears a little bit, uh, you know. Still, uh, still on the gory uh, path, but uh, with a with a with a jolly twist. For me, I mean, and, and this I, I acknowledge probably is an unconventional uh, you know film to be, to find on a top ten list. But uh, you know, this is this uh, you know this is my list, so you know, damn it, I'm proud of it. But uh, number four for me is Violent Night, and this is a movie that, on its face of it, as I said last week. Or, or two weeks ago, the premise of it is kind of absurd. It's Die Hard with Santa Claus. Santa Claus meets Home Alone. You know that could die very quickly into B movie category. Well, fortunately, it doesn't, and, and partly because the writers and, and, and the director know uh, what they're doing. It's a very sharp script. It has the action tropes. It has what you might expect from the premise. But there's a great deal of heart and and joy and, and, dare I say, Christmas magic with this film that kind of puts it in the same conversation as great Christmas films like uh, Miracle on 34th Street, Home Alone, Elf, A Christmas Story, etc., etc. And on top of all that, you have one hell of a funny and really... Uh, a really magical performance by David Harbour as Santa Claus. And, you know, for me, this was one of those films where I had a feeling I would enjoy it. I did not expect to enjoy it as much uh, as I did. I, I already think it's a newly minted Christmas classic, and audiences seem to have uh, connected with it as well. But, you know, especially for someone who's uh, a fan of, of Christmas films and, and, and Christmas time in general, it really felt great for uh, kind of you know a breaking out of the mold, so to speak, where we weren't just getting another sort of cookie cutter, you know, dare I say, Hallmark-inspired Christmas film, but but something that was unique and different. That again draws very heavily from all the great classic Christmas films, but yet 
does it in a way that feels modern, that feels uh, that feels relatable, and also borrows heavily from films like Die Hard and and, and the like. And I don't know. I just found myself uh, just smiling and laughing and giggling the entire time, and but also appreciating the real heart and warmth. Uh, that this film uh, has it at the center of it, and that's really what what drives it. It's this this great relationship between Santa Claus and this little girl, and the power of belief and and wonder at Christmas time. And I mean, it it, uh, it just makes you feel so good. And and again, I always when I I step back and kind of look at things, uh, you know, from the you know the twenty thousand uh, you know foot view. That's what movies should should really do at their at their at, at the very least is that they're there to entertain. They're there to kind of take us out of our situation and 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 make us forget our our day to day woes and just transport us into another world for two hours where we can just enjoy a story and, and you know maybe have a few laughs and cheer and 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 come away with saying hey. That was a damn good movie, and that's that. That for me, uh, you know, checks all the boxes uh, for Violent Night. It, it's it's funny, it's sharp, uh, but there's also a lot of heart and and Christmas magic at it, and that I think really is encapsulated by David Harbour's performance. Uh, I mean, the man was born to play Santa Claus, and uh, you know, as, as as somebody who who really enjoyed this film, I hope we get to see. Uh, Future, uh, future endeavors because I think they've uh, they've definitely left a lot on the table for for future sequels. And uh, again, if, if the box office receipts are any indication, I expect uh, there will be a, a follow up of some point uh, at some point down uh, down the line. Uh, so there's number four, Violent Night, kind of an unconventional one, but uh, just one of those films where. I, I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I as much as I did, but it's 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 a it's a it's a Christmas film, it, and it's and it's in the conversation as far as I'm concerned as as uh, a Christmas story, Christmas vacation, Home Alone. It's 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 right there, and it's again it's different than what we've seen before, what's come before, and 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 that's fun. That that's always exciting, you know. Kind of when you know someone comes in there and breaks the rules and takes what we know, and then turns it on its head so i'm i'm always for that uh that kind of a reinvention and uh you know speaking of of reinvention that that brings me to to number three on this list and for a film that really has a little bit of everything a little bit of everything for everybody uh comedy drama action everything everywhere all at once is i think in serious contention to be the best picture of the year. And I will not be surprised if it wins uh, that. I expect it will be nominated. But for a film that you know, really is the little engine that could, that just, you know, it's, it's a movie that you really can't explain to anybody because you really have to see it. And, that, and I've said that to a number of people. Just, just watch it. Just go watch this film. Because I won't do a good job <laughs> explaining it to you, and, and I'm not even going to try. Because it's really a film that is meant to be experienced. It's a film that's meant to be watched. Because it really is about everything. And I, I mean, if I had to put it down into a, a quick, uh, a quick soundbite, it's it's a film about the little things. It's a film about everyday life it's a film about family it's a film about 
endurance. It's a film about getting through the day. It's a film about, at the end of it all, everything works out. I mean, it's just a, it's just a special film, and again, it sort of has all the all different uh, genres molded into one. I mean, there's there's some you know some science fiction elements to it. There's there's humor. There's 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 a there's a great story about a family, but a, between a mother and a daughter, and, and yet it's it's all of this into one. And, and oh, it, I, it's one of those films where you. I mean, it sounds cliched, but you laugh and cry and cheer all all at once. It, it just it it's a it's a roller coaster of emotions. And uh, it, oh. I, I'm so happy that people have have discovered this film and and have and have had the same kind of genuine reaction that that it is special that it is something worth discussing that it is something to be to be praised and I mean it's really carried by 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 Michelle Yeoh who who plays this woman who along with her husband owns a local. Uh, uh, laundromat and they're being audited by the IRS and the IRS agent is played by Jamie Lee Curtis who gives another just incredible uh, quirky performance but again it's really carried uh, uh, by Michelle Yeoh's just again very raw and 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 realistic performance of 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 someone who feels you know like someone we've maybe met in our lives someone maybe we know like just that believability and even though the situation is, is so outrageous and, and outlandish, and again, it, there's there's other dimensions and, and, and kind of you know you know traveling through time in some cases, like it, it, there's 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 all this other kind of you know out of this world stuff going on, but yet it's it's grounded because the performances are are tied to to our world. They're tied to reality. They're tied tied uh, through the struggles of family and 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 dysfunction and and just. Sort of just the day-to-day stuff, and there's a great scene about halfway through the film where uh, Michelle Yeoh's character Evelyn meets uh, her husband uh, Wayman, played by uh, Kihi Kwan. Uh, or in the scene, he's not her husband in that universe. You know, she ends up going into another dimension, another another point in time where, where she's this famous singer and and he's this business executive and she meets him and, and tells him everything that is going on and how she's going on this crazy journey and and you know you know how she you know wishes she could be with him and all that and his response to her is and I'm going to quote it uh, uh, line for line because it really is you know just beautiful and and, and he does such a masterful job with it it's again another one of these performances that is you know one of the best of the year it just feels so real and grounded but the the line his response to her is in another life i would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you and that right there that that line that exchange really for me sums up the entire film because no, it's, I mean yes, the laundry and the and the tax situation. That's that's a part of it. That's part of the the story. But it's it's the meaning behind that. And, and right there, I I think the theme of the film is so clearly spelled out, which is that life is about those those little things. It's not about the big the big extravagant adventures. It's not about having all this money. It's not about 
traveling or the world. It's about the little moments. It's about the little experiences we share with those we love. And at the end of the day, that that's a theme I think that we all can relate to, that we all want to experience. And certainly to have it in a film uh, kind of right there against all of the extravagant uh, goings-on, uh, really, really powerful. And, and this is just a film where, like I said, it, it's about everything. It really, <laughs> just to, not to put too wide a point on it, it's about everything and anything. And again, at real, but though at that core, it is about family. It is about, it is about love and, and sort of the little things in life. So I, I highly recommend you, you check out this film, uh, because it really is worth the hype. It lives up and exceeds all expectations. And I, I strongly suspect it will be in the running and, and, and quite likely could win best picture later uh later next year but uh all right moving on we're down to the final two at this point and if you've been listening to this show uh for 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 a while you probably could guess uh what is coming next so i'll just try to uh, close this up uh, uh relatively quickly but uh number two for me is halloween ends and again i know this is one of those films where it's one of, you, you mention it and, and you immediately get a 50-50 reaction. People, people love it. People hate it. It's a very divisive film uh, in the Halloween franchise and, and with the general audience. For me, uh, you know, I, I sort of said my piece on Halloween. I've carved that pumpkin up. But just to, just to recap, this was the Halloween film that I did not uh, know – I, I I I need it. You know, this is this is this is a different take on the mythology, but yet it feels like it's adhering to the mythology. And, and by that I mean it's going back to what John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were talking about in 1978 about evil and the nature of evil and how it can how it can transfer and how it can affect and infect and and really it, it's. It, it's on on the face of it. If if someone told me a year ago the final Halloween film in this trilogy is going to have Michael Myers in a reduced role where he won't have much screen time and the real story will be about this character named Corey Cunningham and his uh, kind of descent into becoming the next Michael Myers, I would said, okay, boy, that's that that sounds like a rotting pumpkin. But yet, it is one of those films where. I do think there will be a reevaluation. There will be a renaissance and a, um, a review of it down the road. But for me, I, I connected with it immediately, and I think I connected to it because it was so different, because it took chances with the mythology and the characters and really focused on a story. Again, it may not have worked for everybody, but for me, I thought this was a perfect end to what David Gordon Green was trying to do with this with this Halloween trilogy. It felt like it honored what Carpenter and company were saying back in 1978. And it also gave a, a final confrontation, a riveting final confrontation between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. And of course, you know, to, to say now that I, I would be remiss without mentioning Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the greatest final girl uh, in the history of horror films. And she gives a perfect 
and, and really emotional performance, a final performance as as Laurie Strode. And you know, while I know this will not be the last Halloween film to kind of close out the original storyline that began with 1978, th- this film checked all the boxes for me. And and at some point in the new year, I will revisit all three films now that the trilogy is complete and do a, a full retrospective. But I mean, th- this was. Honestly, this was my most anticipated movie of the year, and I can always try to keep my expectations in check. But but this film, uh, you know, I, I couldn't help it because it's a Halloween film. Uh, but it, I know it, it just worked for me. The more I watch it, the more I enjoy it, and I think a lot of it stems from it because it takes chances, because it isn't afraid to 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 shake things up and. Again, really focus on, as I say, focuses on a story that that adheres to what Carpenter was talking about in terms of evil and the nature of it, all the way back in the original Halloween film. So, uh, you know, the the pumpkin hasn't rotted <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, and uh, I, I look forward to uh, revisiting this film uh, sooner rather than later. So, with that, that brings me now to the final uh, film on this list, and. Uh, you know, again, if you've been following this show for for a while, uh, will come as no surprise that the Batman will take the top spot for me. And this is one of those films where, again, the more I go back to it, the more I enjoy it even more. And as someone who's, who is a fan of the character, uh, I, I have to say I, I was somewhat uh, nervous going into this film because... Obviously, Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale's take on the character with the Dark Knight trilogy looms larger than life and sort of shadows over anything Batman related. And, you know, sometimes you wonder, okay, well, you know, has everything been said on Batman? Is there anything more to be said about this character? Well, Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson show that there is a lot more to be said about Batman. And, in a world where we have so many comic book films and so many superhero films, it's almost like a you know a, a candy factory at this point. They just keep putting them out and putting them out, and it's basically the same film. I mean, again, I'm not trying to paint with such a broad brush, but there is this, I think, fatigue that is setting in, and maybe has been setting in with the genre. I mean, I've always felt superhero films, comic book films, are are the equivalent to our modern day to the modern day westerns there's just so many of them and they're they're everywhere and and, and again nothing is sustainable but i think what what will uh, keep them alive and keep them fresh is reinterpretation and reinvention and that's what the batman does it takes the character that has been there for over 80 years and has been a part of pop culture you know, really since the 60s, but but kind of mainstream with the Tim Burton film in 1989 through the present day, but grounds it in a way where, again, again I go back to what I've said this year, the performances that are really kind of getting into the psychology of the character. Robert Pattinson is showing us a really vulnerable, uh, almost humanistic version of, of Batman that is really a fractured and scarred individual, and it's 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 a refreshing take where we're seeing a Batman that's not that doesn't have it all figured out that is still making mistakes we know he's going to become the great Dark Knight Avenger but yet we're watching him you know sort of build up to that and it's really a it's a character study where where Batman goes on a a journey of self-discovery from you know starting out as this 
hardened and, and, and brutal uh, vigilante who's only looking out for vengeance to truly becoming the symbol of hope that this rotted city known as Gotham needs uh, at that time. And, it, and it's a beautiful uh, spellbinding transformation. And again, in a performance where you're largely in a mask and you have to rely on on, on eyes for expression, Pattinson just delivers a performance that conveys both uh, uh, confliction, conveys both uh, confliction and 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 rage and depression and hope and it's just this oh it's just it's just magical and as far as i'm concerned i think he is my favorite batman i he is my favorite batman there it is you know <laughs> uh, need i say any more and what i like about this film and again going back to the reinvention of of the superhero uh, and comic book genre is that it it really is taking everything we've known about these characters there's still the the trappings you've got your bat cave you've got your batmobile but it's really presenting it in a way that feels almost ultra realistic that really feels like okay this is happening somewhere in the world today and, and again because there's sort of that that mixing of political and and and, and social uh you know factors you know from our real world and molding them into the story it kind of takes it uh, makes the st- takes the story to a whole other level uh, other level and brings it to life again so you can have all of these you know extravagant villains and situations but yet your story is sort of grounded in in a way that feels plausible and 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 makes you believe that yeah this guy is getting up every night and putting on a cape and a cowl to go and fight crime in this rotten awful city just a just a beautiful film from from uh, across the board from cinematography to to Michael Giacchino's amazing uh, should be Oscar nominated score. We'll get into that at another point, but it's a it's a master of a film. Matt Reeves knows exactly what he's doing, and I can't wait to see what is coming down the the line uh, with uh, with future installments. But uh, uh, the Batman. You know, again, for for someone who was unsure at the start, okay, you know, is there anything more that can be said about Batman? Can this character really be reinvented uh, for a, for a second time in, in this many years? Well, Matt Reeves uh, showed that uh, that he definitely knows what he's doing, and he has such a love and respect and a reverence for the character that it's just it's just wonderful uh, to see uh, to see him create something. Uh, with such passion and heart and again bringing to life the, the greatest comic book superhero of all time for a whole new generation and you know outside of it being a great comic book superhero film it, it's just a really good film that that feels right out of the wheelhouse of the French connection or or bullet or, or any of the kind of you know the hard-boiled crime dramas of the of the uh, mid to late 70s it, it just it just works on such a whole uh, other level, which again, I think Batman is really the one character that kind of can lend himself to the to the different types of films and genres, and then kind of molding it all, uh, you know, into the confines of a superhero film. But all right, any event, there is a uh, there's my list. Uh, I do apologize <laughs> for your ears. This has been a. a long show probably the longest uh on record uh, for this uh for this podcast but uh i wanted to wanted to end the year uh end the year strong so just to recap my uh my favorite films for the year we have elvis the black phone watcher 
The Fablemans, Glass Onion, Pearl, Violent Night, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Halloween Ends, and The Batman. So there we have it, my top ten films for the year, the films that I connected with, the films that resonated and and stayed with me and, and, and captured my imagination in the best possible way. But I am curious about yours. Please let me know uh, uh, your films. Do you agree with this list? What are your uh, favorite films of the year? And lastly, because this is the final show of 2022, and uh, in two weeks, actually, be the one-year anniversary since I started doing this podcast, and uh, I'm amazed <laughs> that it's been almost uh, a year. I mean, where, where, where does the time where does the time go? Uh, but but at that uh, at that point, I will uh, lay out kind of where. Um, I'm thinking of taking the show over the next uh, next number of months. Going to continue this uh, as long as uh, as long as I can. But uh, you know, definitely thinking of, of of introducing some new elements to the show in addition to the uh, uh, movie discussions and and thoughts on on current films uh, and the like. But uh, I'll get into that uh, in two weeks uh, two weeks time. Next week I will be having uh, my. Uh, my my thoughts on uh, both knives out and uh, and glass onion, but uh, you know today with the uh, with this being uh, the final show of of 2022, I, I just really want to say thank you again. I know I, I may sound like a, a broken record uh, with this uh, with this speech with this plug, but uh, uh, it really comes from the heart, and and I appreciate you, the listeners, for tuning in each week and hearing what I have to say about movies. Uh, this, of course, has been a passion project for me, but the response from you and your encouragement and embrace of this show has just made it all the more worthwhile and, and enjoyable. And I've, I've I've just loved the interaction uh, with you, the listeners, and I've made a lot of great connections and, and friendships through this show over the last year. And I, I just I value and appreciate each and every one of you and and. And, and for those of you who I haven't had a chance to uh, connect with or, or, or engage with, uh, I, I appreciate you just as much. And to close, I, I would just say you are a great audience. You, you, you really are. You are a great audience. And it means the world to me to, to have you tune in each week and, and listen to what I have to say about movies. And I've enjoyed and loved engaging with you and discussing movies and I look forward to it continuing right into the new year and, and beyond because movies are, are in many ways the universal language. They're, they're part of the human experience and they can really capture the human condition in, in a way that, that no other form of, 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 of media can. And, and it's a great collective experience where we can sit and watch uh, something for, for two hours and then come away with with so many you know, varying opinions and vastly different experiences, but yet be united by our love of, of cinema. So I, I just again I thank you all for for this year for for tuning in to this show. We'll continue strong well into the new year. Uh, I hope everyone uh, had a great holiday season, had a merry Christmas, and. Wishing you all a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. 
I know I'm looking forward to what lies ahead uh, in in uh, 2023. Uh, you know, movies uh, aside, uh, you know, on a on a personal note, I've had a lot of different. Uh, things going on in my life over the last uh, year, and I'm I'm definitely on, on some level glad to be uh, closing the book on uh, on on 2022. But uh, I, I have to say that one of my my favorite and and most rewarding parts of this year has been doing this show, and and not just because I get to go out and you know record and talk about my love of movies and and cinema, but really the experiences and, and engagements that I've had with you, the listeners, and the friendships that have been made as a result of it. So it, it's uh, it, it's been a very rewarding experience, and I, I look forward to it continuing well into the new year. So on that note, everybody, take care, be well, stay safe, go check out some movies, and I will be back next week, and we will do this all over again.